Hey, this is Pastor Keenan. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to our Young Adult Podcast. I know you're gonna be blessed because you are choosing to make listening to God's word a priority today. And if you are blessed by this episode, would you consider sharing it with some of your friends? You never know how God could use it in their lives. Well, hey, here comes the sermon. So lean in because God's getting ready to speak to you. I love you. If you have a Bible, I want you to go to the book of 2 Kings, 2 Kings, and we're going to go to chapter 5. That's actually in the OT. It's not overtime, okay? It's Old Testament, all right? The Old Testament, okay? 2 Kings, there's 1 Kings. If you're there, you're not quite there yet, go to 2 Kings, and we're going to go to chapter 5, and we're going to read one verse, and that's verse 1. Is that cool? I hope so, because I'm about to do it. 2 Kings chapter 5. And verse one, and we're in a sermon series that we're simply calling this in formation, in formation. That a lot of times we can come to church and it can just feel like we're receiving information. It can be information overload, but I'm here to tell you the information is supposed to begin to form some things in your life that God's word doesn't wanna just tickle your ear, but it wants to change your heart. Okay, it doesn't want to just you know, tickle your fancy, give you some spiritual stuff that you can regurgitate to your friends so you sound extra spiritual. It actually wants to begin to make you look like the person of Jesus, that you begin to love like Jesus, you lead like Jesus, you live like Jesus. That's the entire point of this thing. If that is not happening, we aren't doing it right, okay? And there's a process to this, but we should be moving closer and closer towards the person. Of Jesus. And this is what 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 1 says. It says this, now Naaman, if we have it, now Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him, the Lord had given him victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but, somebody say, but, but he had leprosy. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Tonight, I want to preach a message that I'm simply calling this, God kicked my butt. God kicked my butt. And no, I'm not talking about anatomy tonight. I'm not talking about B-U-T-T, okay? Some of you thought that's exactly what was gonna happen when you came into church tonight, that God's gonna give me what I've, I've got coming. I've stored up a lot of wrath. I've made a lot of bad decisions. Keenan, I was that person you were talking about a moment ago when you said you may have made no other good right decisions. Yeah, that's me in the last 25 years. I have made no other good decisions this week or in my life. And I want you to know the message I'm gonna preach to you tonight is that God doesn't, is not that God wants to come and kick your butt. It's the thing that is holding you back. God wants to kick that thing's butt. The butt in your life. I'm strong, but. I'm a good person, but. I got big dreams, but. I'm attractive, but. We all have something in our lives that's holding us back. And I believe that tonight, God's gonna help you kick that thing right where it hurts, amen? Can we pray and just ask that God would come and do now whatever he wants to do, amen? Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you right now 
I just thank you for your presence. God, I thank you that we are not just in here talking to the wind. We're not in here talking about some, some pie in the sky, opiate of the masses kind of God. Lord, I thank you that we are talking about a person. God, you aren't just some, you aren't just some ancient manuscript. You aren't just some thing that we hold on to in a time of crisis. Lord, you're a real human. You are a being and we came from you. And Lord, I pray that tonight we would see you for the first time or for the first time in a long time. Lord, I thank you that you know each and every single person that is sitting under the sound of my voice, whether it's in this room or maybe it's on a podcast somewhere. Lord, I thank you that you see them right where they are at. And Lord, I thank you that you're gonna meet them. You're gonna meet them right there. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said, come on, let's give them a big amen. Come on, we are from Texas. Amen. Are you familiar? Are you familiar with love languages? You familiar with love languages? Okay. Anybody? You familiar with love languages? If you're not, let me catch you up to speed. Okay. There's a book by Dr. Gary Chapman. Dr. Gary Chapman. Okay. Might want to pick this one up. And it's called the five, the five love languages. Okay. And the premise of this book is that every human being on planet Earth shows and receives love in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a gambit of about five different love languages, okay? That five different love languages are prioritized in your life in a particular order and unique order that is unique and specific to you, okay? So in my life, there are five love languages. I wrote them down just in case I couldn't remember, okay? There's words, all right? There's gifts, there's time, there's acts of service, and then, come on, my favorite, physical touch, all right? <laughs> Come on, holla at your boy if you see him next to Beth, okay? So, seriously, if there's another boy next to Beth, you better yell at him, all right? So I, 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 love, I love these love languages. And so when Beth and I were kind of getting to know each other, um, as many of maybe you are, if you're in a relationship, you're kind of in that stage. Just, just so you know, we were in that stage at one point too. We didn't start off married. Um, so we were in that stage. We were kind of getting to know each other. And it turns out our love languages are really similar, okay? They're very similar, I would say. The top, your top three is my top three. They may be in a little bit of a different order, but um, my top three are uh, words of affirmation, physical touch is like literally kissing, okay? And I say that on purpose, okay? It's quite literally just like kissing um, words right underneath it, and then it's, it's quality time, okay? And hers, I, I, I have the top three down, so I, I just kind of shoot. She, literally, this is what my wife says. She says, I'm all of them. Like, I need them all. I'm like, my God, okay? She's like, I literally need them all. Like, I need gifts. I need acts of service. I need you to touch me. I need you to tell, tell me I look pretty. I need, I need it all, okay? Which kind of helps, just because, like, if one's not working, I just move to the next, okay? You know what I mean? And then I move to the next. It's, it, there have been nights that that quite literally did happen. Am I lying, babe? No, Okay. <laughs> So these, these, these love languages, they help us understand each other, and more importantly, they help us understand our, ourselves, how we give and receive love, okay? And so I've known, I did not need to take Dr. Gary Chapman's test. I'm very in tune with myself, okay? I am in tune with my emotions, which would probably tell you my emotions are not in tune, okay? They are all over the place. If I know them that well and think about them that often, um, it's probably not a good thing, okay? So... I already knew words of affirmation, top of my list, okay? I love when people just begin to speak life. I love, uh, I can literally live off a compliment for about a month, okay? If you give me a good, heartfelt, hearty compliment, I can chew on that thing for like a month. Like anytime I feel low, I'm like, yeah, but like Miller told me about a month ago that I looked pretty good that one Thursday. You know what I mean? Like, 
I will bring it back. I will go into the archive and just begin to sift and find things, okay? So words mean a lot to me, okay? And I have to tell you, my least favorite, though, my least favorite compliments are backhanded compliments, okay? You ever gotten a backhanded compliment? Like one time somebody told me, hey, Keenan, your preaching has gotten so much better. I was like, think, wait a second. What are you trying to tell me right now? Like, are you telling me like I was a hack? Like, you're telling me you hated it before? Your preaching's just gotten so much better. I was like, that, whoa, get out of here. Get behind me, Satan. Okay, like, I, like, backhanded compliments aren't very fun, okay? But the worst thing is this. The worst thing is this, and this happened to me a lot in Bible school, and it honestly kind of became a joke, okay? People will come up to me, or you, you, you've done this in your life, I promise you. You come up to people, and you go, you know what, Kenan? You are awesome, you're like the man. You're the bomb.com. But you kind of need to work on this, 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 and this. I hate the butt, okay? How many of you know if somebody comes and butters you up and then they drop a butt, you have just completely forgotten about everything that preceded the butt. And now you're like, okay, now I'm about to get like the real you. And now I've gotten like the fake you, okay, the fugazi you out of the way. I'm about to get real unleaded you, okay? Even Dr. Phil, my wife informed me earlier today because I like to run stuff by her, okay? She informed me that Dr. Phil says even psychologically, when you drop a butt in the middle of a sentence, it does not matter how, many, how, how pretty it was right up until that moment. Every human being on the face of the planet instantly crosses that out. They erase it in their mind. And all they're focused on is what's coming after that butt. What's coming after the butt? And I'm here to tell you tonight, each and every single one of us, just like Naaman we saw a moment ago, each and every single one of us have a butt in our lives. You know, I've lived for about two and a half decades now. I'm, about, I'm 26 years old. And the longer I live, the more apparent it becomes to me that people have two ears. <laughs> They've got two arms. They got two legs. They got one nose. They got one neck. And everybody has at least one butt. Everybody's got at least one butt. And I'm here to tell you tonight, if you've got a butt in your life, I want to, I just first want to level the playing field and just say, we have all got them. We've all got them because you could easily in this moment begin to feel shame. You could easily in this moment begin to feel condemnation because listen to me, I'm coming after something sensitive tonight. I'm coming after something sensitive because most of us and society teaches us to do this. Our first instinct when it comes to our butt is to hide it. We hide our butt. I think it's kind of telling um, even just the, the posture all of you guys are in right now. I think this is exactly what happens when we come into church every single week. We walk in and the first thing we do when we come into church is we hide our butt. Each and every single one of you, you are hiding your butt from me right now. And I'm, I'm very grateful, okay? But listen to me, very grateful. Keep it hidden, all right? We live in the Instagram age. Everybody puts their best foot forward and they hide the things they don't want you to see. I said it a couple weeks ago, but you understand everything that you are taking in on the internet is something somebody wanted you to see. You understand that? The only things you are seeing are things people were hoping you would see. You're living off their highlight reel and comparing that to your behind the scenes. You're comparing somebody else's day-to-day -day, seemingly perfect little life and you're comparing it to your pathetic, boring, dull, mundane, beige life. 
Unless you're on TikTok and then there's butts everywhere, okay? Which by the way, if that's a problem, just get off TikTok, okay? I, I, I feel like that's a word for somebody in here tonight, okay? Somebody needs to understand. If something's tripping you up, I don't care how much attention you're getting on there. I don't care how many times you've gone viral. I don't care how many, how, how, you're one good idea away from, from getting on somebody's for you page. Listen to me, if that thing is not pushing you towards Christ likeness, this is just for free. I'm just encouraging you to get off. It's costing you a lot more than you think it's costing you. But man, I'm telling you, each and every single one of us, when it, when it comes to life, especially, listen to me, especially when it comes to getting around God, the first thing we want to do is pretend like we don't have deficiencies. Pretend like we don't have problems. Pretend like we don't have things that are, have gone haywire and gone absolutely bonkers in our life. And right now, right off the bat, I just want you to understand, before we begin to dive into the different nuances and complexities of this, I want you to understand each and every single one of us, every single one of us, can I, can I just tell you, I'm raising my hand right now. I'm raising my hand. I don't get to stand on this stage because I somehow have some perfect cookie cutter Christian kumbaya life. I don't get to do it. I do it because in spite of my issues, in spite of my butt, God still loves me and wants to use me. And I'm here to tell you tonight, in spite of everything you think discounts you and disqualifies you, God says, I don't call the qualified, I qualified the called. And if I'm calling you, it means I intend on qualifying you. So right off the bat, I just want to clear the air and say each and every single one of us have stuff. Our stuff looks different, but each and every single one of us have stuff. And no, no doubt this man Naaman had some stuff going on in his life, did he not? This man named Naaman, he, the Bible said this, that he's a valiant soldier. What does that mean? It means he, 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 can, he literally, quite literally kills it on the battlefield. He can kill it on the battlefield. Man, he is, everything that he does is what defines him. He's defined by what he produces. And I have found, at least in my own personal life, and maybe you can relate, I have been defined for too long by what I produce. I've been defined for too long on how well I can preach. I've been defined for too long on how well I can get you to get, clap and say amen. That's, what, that's literally what used to define me. I was preaching to try to get people to like me instead of get, preaching to try to get people to see who God was. And thank God I've been delivered from that for a long time. But each and every single one of us, that's what it looks like in Keenan Clark's life. And I'm here to tell you, if that can wiggle its way into a preacher's life, I guarantee it's trying to wiggle its way into your life. Being defined by what you produce, being defined by what you're capable of. But listen to me, though he's the best at what he does, he's the best at what he does, he's got this this illness. Now, if you were here two weeks ago, I preached a message called It's Contagious. You can check it out on the podcast. Okay, I thought it was pretty good. All right, you can check it out. But in it, I talked about leprosy, okay? And what leprosy is, just to give you a brief synopsis, leprosy was a, is a skin-eating disease. It literally eats your skin while you are still alive. What you are literally doing is rotting alive, okay? And the thing I wanna call your attention to is it didn't matter how many battles Naaman won, it didn't matter how many enemies he vanquished. It didn't matter how much blood he shed. It didn't matter how many medals he got. That leprosy did not care at all. I'm here to tell you tonight, your issues aren't waiting for you to all of a sudden outgrow them. And all of a sudden, you've got too many letters after your last name for me to mess with you. You, you now know, can I just say this? You now know too much of the Bible for me to mess with you. There are, I can say, 
There are plenty of people I've met who know way more of the Bible than any one of us combined. And the enemy's eating their lunch. The enemy's having a field day. It's what we're talking about in this series. We cannot rely just on information. That information's got to seep down into somewhere and begin to change how we see Jesus, begin to change how we see the world, begin to change the decisions that we make. That's when all of a sudden push comes to shove. That's when it counts. But each and every single one of us have these dual realities. We got things we're good at and we got things that are kicking our butt. We got things that are eating our lunch and they're the things that we'd rather hide. And really tonight, I just want to say this. I don't normally say this very often, but I want you to listen for you tonight. What do I mean by that? I mean, I don't want you to listen for the person next to you. Say, man, thinking to yourself, I'm preaching. You're saying, man, I, I hope they're hearing this. If you think that, you're missing the point. Because I'm not talking about their butt. I'm talking about your butt. I'm talking about that thing in your life that has been kicking your butt for far too long. And it didn't matter how good the grades got. It didn't matter how many zeros were at the end of your paycheck. It didn't matter how pretty the girl was. It keeps on eating. It keeps on feasting. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how much acclaim and fame and people know your name. That thing will do its thing all day long. And Naaman finally comes to a place where it was the leprosy was small at one point and he could hide it behind his armor, but eventually leprosy begins to creep everywhere. And that's the thing I want you to understand. It may be, the thing in your life may be small right now, but that's the problem. Only mold grows in the dark. Only mold grows in the dark. And I'm telling you, when we let the light in and we begin to get a little bit vulnerable, when we begin to get a little bit honest, when we actually come to God, and we begin to take off our facade. We begin to take off what we, listen to me, what we think he loves us for. We're going to see that he actually loves us for the parts we thought he would never love us for. He loves us right in the middle of it. So Naaman finally just gets irritated with this. And listen to this. I want us to look at this real quickly. It's right here. 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 2 through 3. It says this, at this time, the Aramean uh, raiders had invaded the land of Israel and among their captives, listen to this, among their captives was a little girl, a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. Now you need to understand this about Naaman. Most of you automatically assumed as I started going through this, that Naaman is an Israelite, that Naaman's one of God's people that Naaman's a Jew, but listen to me, he ain't. He's on the opposing side. He's actually one of God's enemies. He's on a, he's, he's working for a team that invaded Israel. And it says during one of his raids on the people of God, what did he do? He kidnapped a little girl. He kidnapped a little girl and he brought her back home and he made her a slave to his wife. This little girl has been taken. She's a Jewish little girl. Hebrew little girl, and she's been plucked from her family, sitting in a foreign place, uh, held against her will. And notice what happens. She, Naaman doesn't, the Bible never says that Naaman talked to her about his leprosy. She noticed his leprosy. She notices, hey, there's something wrong. There's something wrong here. And listen to me, and I'm preaching to myself right now. I just want to say that, babe, because I know you talk to me about this all the time. But I think it's, it's about time that the church started noticing people's pain. 
I think it's about time that the church started noticing people's problems instead of belittling them in their pain. That we started seeing them and actually having empathy and sympathy, compassion, like the person, Jesus, we claim to follow. I think it's about time that we started looking at people, not wanting to roast them, but wanting to lift them up and say, hey, 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 I see something's gone awry in your life. You don't even need to bring it up. I'm going to bring it up. Hey, are you, are you, are you, when was the last time you genuinely asked somebody, are you okay? Are you okay? I think that's the, that needs to be a question. We start asking a little bit more often. Are you doing all right? She sees Naaman and she's being held as his prisoner. Now listen to this. This is a girl from, from, from the land of Israel. What does that mean? It means that she, she loves God. And now she's in a place where the people around her do not. But listen to this. Even though she's in a place where the people around her don't love God, she's still living like she does. And I really want to encourage somebody tonight. You may be surrounded. You may work at a place where everyone around you doesn't understand why you do what you do. They don't understand why on your breaks you're reading your Bible. They don't understand why you're constantly playing that elevation or that hill song or that Bethel or that Air One or whatever it is that you do. They don't understand why in your free time you listen to sermons on YouTube. They think you're weird. But what I'm telling you to do is continue to be everything God's called you to be, even in the most unlikely of circumstances. This little girl was plucked she's plucked from her family and she begins to love the people who plucked her from them she starts loving on Naaman she says this she says I wish this little girl would have had every right to try to like formulate a plan to slit Naaman's throat in the night so she could get back home I don't think any of us would have faulted her for that trying to escape and she says no I'm not here to hurt I'm actually I know you intended to hurt me but I, I know somebody that can heal you I know somebody that can do something about that. There's somebody in, in your life that belittles you, that puts you down. Man, what if all of a sudden we didn't fight fire with fire? What if all of a sudden we actually, two wrongs don't make a right. What if all of a sudden we began to actually be the opposite? The op Listen to me, Christianity is not, it's not a subculture, it's a counterculture. We're not a subculture of the world. We're a counterculture. What does that mean? We're going the opposite direction. And what if we actually started treating people like we actually were? And she starts loving on him. And she says, hey, um, I know somebody who can do something about this, but he ain't here. He's like back home from like, remember that place you raided? That, all those people you killed? Remember where you kidnapped me from? Yeah, he's back there. And he can do something about your leprosy. And this is what I love. Naaman listens to this little girl. Are you willing to listen to the voice of God even when it comes from someone you feel is beneath you? Are you willing to listen to the word of God even whenever God uses somebody you would describe as beneath you, younger than you? What do you know? Man, I'm telling you, you finally get desperate enough, you'll, be, you'll let a donkey talk to you. You read your Bible, that actually happened. A guy named Balaam, his donkey started talking. You get desperate enough, you're so, you so need a word from God. It doesn't matter somebody's pedigree. It doesn't matter what Bible school they went to. It doesn't matter if you've ever heard them preach a sermon or if you think their life even looks totally like Jesus. You're saying, if it's a word from God, I need it. If it's a word from God, I need it. Will you receive a word from God that comes from a person you feel is beneath you? This little girl, she's a slave and she begins to talk to this valiant soldier and say, hey, I know somebody who can do something about this illness. And Naaman listens. So he goes to his king, the king of Aram, and he says, hey, um, the Bible literally says that he said, 
She says thus and so. I love that the Bible, like, it, it doesn't it, it always record exactly what's said. She said this and that, you know what I mean? She said here and there, you know what I mean? So she, she, he tells the king, hey, this is what this little girl said. She says this dude can heal me. And so the king goes, dude, you're my best soldier. Even if we have to go into enemy-occupied territory to get you healed, we're getting you healed. So this king writes a letter. This king writes a letter to the other king of Israel. His name is Jehoram, Okay. Jehoram, he writes a letter to him and he sends it to this king. And I want you to notice the king's response. This, this Jewish king, this Hebrew king, notice his response. This is it here in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 7. 2 Kings 5, 7, it says this. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me? to be cured of his leprosy. This king reads this letter, tears his robe, which is a little odd, tears his robe and says, am I God? You're coming to me to try to heal your leprosy and I'm here to tell you there are some of you tonight, you have been going to all the wrong people trying to get healing. You've been going to all the wrong people trying to get your fix. You've been going to all the wrong people trying to fill those gaps in your heart. You've been going to all the wrong people to deal with that butt on the inside of you. And I'm telling you, people will fail you every time. Listen to me, there are plenty of people that you pushed out of your life because you put a weight on them only God was meant to carry. You put a weight on them only God was meant to carry. You, tried, you treated them like they were Jesus. You treated them like they were your savior. Some of you who are married tonight, you are treating your spouse like they're supposed to be Jesus for you. You're leaning on them more than you're leaning on him. Some of you, it's your boyfriend, your girlfriend. Some of you, it's your friend group. Some of you, it's your parents. I don't know who it is, but I'm telling you, people can only do so much. This king, he reckons, well, am I God? Can I kill and bring it back? What is this man doing sending this to me? And then listen, he tore his clothes. He literally kind of lost it for a second. I'm here to tell you, you wonder why the people in your life are losing it on you? It's because you're, you're, you're putting expectations on them that only God can meet. You're putting expectations on people that only God can meet. Listen to me, can I just, can I just tell you this? I wish it wasn't true, but I'm gonna fail you. I love you. I want the best for you. But listen to me, though I get up here and I'm trying to lead this movement, I'm trying to lead this ministry, I'm not perfect. I don't have all the answers figured out. I'm gonna fail you. The only person who can carry and handle the weight of your life is the one who gave it to you. He's the only one. Some of you are looking to all the wrong people to fix your problems and God's saying, hey, kind of over here. This king, he rips his clothes. He says, what in, what in the world is going on? And then all of a sudden, when this king, when this king's like, yo, I, I can't do nothing, all of a sudden, this prophet steps up and this guy's name is Elisha. Okay, now I'm gonna encourage you, man, uh, read about Elisha, okay? This dude is buck wild, all right? This dude has done some stuff, okay? He is like literally um, raised a little boy from the dead at this point. He has um, he, he, he like gotten this woman, which I think I'm gonna preach on this recently because this story's coming alive in me. And by the way, I love preaching Bible stories. It's one thing to like kind of have a scripture verse and they give you a bunch of illustrations and a bunch of like stories from like 1812 and hey, that's the gospel. Like those ser- sermons are great, but I love preaching the Bible stories to you because what I'm praying happens is that a love for the scripture 
scriptures gets birthed on the inside of you. Because it wasn't Orville and Wilbur Wright, a story about them that made you see Jesus better. It was the scripture speaking to you. I love preaching Bible stories. And all of a sudden, this prophet, his name's Elisha, he steps up and he says, wait, wait, wait. Tell them to come. I ain't afraid. Like, I know you can't do nothing, but listen, they'll know once they meet me that there is a God in Israel. There's a prophet here. And that's what some of us need to do. Some of us, you need to get so convinced that the same, Christ, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you, that you quit sitting in silence while everybody else refuses to, to be the answer and you start stepping up to the, the, the questions and the problems that God puts you on this earth to solve. Some of you, you are sitting by the wayside because you're afraid that God's not gonna be who you know him to be. All that really is, is saying, God, I don't really trust you. We may, we may couch it in our own personal inadequacies, but if you really believed that God was a man of his word, how many places would we stand up when we've been sitting down? Man, all of a sudden, Elisha stands up. He says, no, no, tell him to come, tell him to come, tell him to come. I ain't afraid. Valiant warrior, whatever, he's got leprosy. He tries to get me, I'll get him where it hurts. You know what I mean? I don't know. So all of a sudden, this guy comes, his name's Naaman. He comes up to Elisha and he goes to Elisha's house, right? And this guy, listen, I don't want you to miss this because this is when it starts getting real good. I've said all this to get to this point. This guy, his name's Naaman. Now remember, he is a commander of an army. He is, is a valiant warrior, been victorious in battle. Lots of bloodshed, okay? He thinks a lot of himself, but he's got an issue. He's got a problem. So he comes up to Elisha's house and he knocks on the door and Elisha says to his servant, hey, go tell Naaman this and that. Now, I want you to understand that Elisha told a servant to go talk to Naaman. That's going to be a real big thing here in a second. That's going to be a real big little window into Naaman's psyche and into Naaman's own thoughts and his own internal monologue about himself, okay? He has a problem here in a second with the fact that Elisha sent somebody else to talk to him. Elisha says, I'm not getting out of my lazy boy. You go tell him, hey, the Lord says this. Um, why don't you go wash yourself seven times? This is uh, 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 10 through 11. It says this. Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. Go wash yourself, listen to this, seven times in the where? Jordan River. He didn't just say a river, he said the Jordan River. And your flesh will be restored and cleansed. Now I wanna point this out to you. Most of us, I know that you've got prayers you're praying. At least I, I pray you do, okay? I pray that you have prayers you're praying. I, th I pray that you have, you have things that you're talking to God about. And most of us, if God were, were to respond to our request with something this specific, go to the Jordan River, dip seven times, not six, not five, not 18, seven times in the Jordan River, and you will be cleansed. I think we'd be like, oh my gosh, he is an on-time God. You know what I mean? Like, we wouldn't hesitate. We'd be like, oh my, this is pretty dark specific. Like, he, he did not go, go find the river that my spirit will lead you to. It's like, are, am I sure that your spirit's gonna lead me? Dip a number that feels good to you. And if that number aligns with the number I have in the back of my head, I will heal you, okay? It's not at all what happened. He says, go to the Jordan, dip seven times. And notice what happened. Let's throw, let's throw it back up, Jordan. He says this, it says this, but Naaman, he went away angry. Naaman went away angry. Hearing, hey, go to the Jordan. He, it's not that he, he didn't even say, hey, um, sorry, we're not gonna serve you. You're not a Hebrew. 
This is actually a pretty big deal that God is willing to heal this man. He's not in covenant with God. In fact, he's shed the blood of God's people before. He's holding captive one of his young little girls. It's a pretty big deal that God's willing to heal him. And he walks away angry. And I think many of us right now are thinking, man, this is stupid. But listen to me, you and I do this all the time. You and I do this all the time. We're sitting here saying, man, if God ever got that specific with me, I'd do it. Listen, God has gotten that specific. He's saying, yeah, that bitterness, why don't you hand it over? That stuff that's going on in your life, why don't you trust me? For some of you, he's gotten real specific with you and said, hey, those hangups, those, those hurts, those habits that you're, the, the habitual sin that you can't get past, the butt in your life, he's told you specific people to go and confess it to, and you, you haven't done it yet. Most of us, God gets pretty dang specific with us. We do exactly what Naaman is. We get angry and we, what, we, we walk away. Some of us, the reason we're not healed yet, it's not because God hasn't spoken it's because when he did, we walked away. We walked away. We didn't put our life, we didn't bank our identity, we didn't bank our faith on what he said, no matter how simple it was. This is what happens, listen to me. Naaman gets a little irritated over how simple this request is. Number one, he gets really irritated over the fact that Naaman, or sorry, excuse me, that Elisha didn't come and speak to him himself. He's like, yo, dude, I'm pretty important. I've shed a lot of people's blood. In fact, you're lucky I don't come up in there and shed yours. He's getting pretty irritated over the fact that he hasn't come down and spoken to him. And I want you to see this. 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 11 through 12. It says this, but Naaman, listen, this is going to be good. Naaman went away angry and said this. Listen to me. I thought that he would surely come out to me, to come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord as God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not the Abana and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than the waters of all of Israel? Couldn't I just wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and he went off in a rage. Listen to this, what he said at the very beginning. Naaman went away angry and said, I thought, I thought, the word of God comes to him. He goes, well, no, wait, wait, well, I thought, I, I thought it wasn't supposed to go like this. The, the script I had in my mind didn't quite, 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 quite look like this. You know, I've found so many times in my own life, those two words I thought have been what's standing between me and joy, between me and peace, between me and my healing. Listen to me. You can either say, I thought, or you can start saying, I'm healed. But it's a little bit hard to start saying both. He said, I thought, some of us, so many of us, we think we're going to have it our way. And I just want to throw this out there. Maybe God wants to heal you, but not on your terms. Maybe not on your terms. Because listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Don't miss this. God wants to heal all of you. Not just the parts of him you came for healing. Naaman wanted healing from his leprosy. And God said, no, no, your, your problems go deeper than leprosy. You've got pride. Naaman had pride in the fact that he was a military leader and a valiant man, that he had shed blood, that nobody was bigger and badder than Naaman, even though he had this disease. All of his identity was in the good parts of him. And sometimes God has to unveil and realign and begin to replace some things that you even like about you because they're holding, him back, they're holding you back from being the you he created you to be. He says, no, 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 you're not going to do what feels good. He says, I should go, I should go, I should go drip in the far part river. 
It's nicer than the Jordan. Listen to me. I've been to Israel. I've seen the Jordan. It's really not that nice. Okay? Like the Mississippi River was honestly a bigger deal to me than seeing the Jordan River. I loved the history, but I was like, dang, that's the Jordan. Really ain't that nice. Kind of dirty. Okay? Kind of underwhelming. You know what I mean? Like it's like, wow. Okay. So he sees this. He's like, I ain't dipping in that dirty thing. Sometimes God will ask you to do something that seems beneath you because he's trying to get you over you. Sometimes God will ask you to do something that seems beneath you to see how, how bad are you willing to hold on to your dignity or do you want healing more? Are you willing to let go of your dignity so you can have divinity, so you can have me? All of a sudden, God begins to throw these things out to Naaman and Naaman's sitting there, he's getting irritated. And literally, look at what it said. He said he went off in a rage. How many of you have done that to God? Maybe you didn't storm off in a rage, but you went all the way off in a rage. God, you're not doing it right. God, this, is, this was how it was supposed to go. God, she should be here by now. I should be married. I should be cranking out my third baby. And you're 18. You know what I mean? Like so many of us, we have this internal emotional script for our life. And as soon as God deviates from our script, we get a little upset. We go off in a rage. But listen to this. I want you to see this. I want you to see this. 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 13, verse 13. Naaman's servants went to him and said this, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. If the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? If the prophet would have told you, go vanquish the Leviathan that lies at the belly of the Red Sea, and then you will receive your healing. He'd have been like, oh, I'm up for that challenge, okay? He'd have been like, yeah, I'm a warrior. That speaks. That's going to add a little something, something to my resume. Let's do it. It's exactly where he would have been. He said, had he asked you to do something pretty epic, wouldn't you have done it? He's like, yeah. He's like, then why? Then how much more when all he says is, when all he tells you is wash and be cleansed? What this servant is telling him, bro, get over yourself. Get, get over yourself. Listen to me. Can I just lovingly tell you as your pastor, get over yourself. Get over yourself. You're amazing. You're made in the image of God. But there are parts of you you love that those parts aren't made in the image of God. Those parts you have fabricated after an image you saw on Instagram, after an image you saw on a family member, after an image you conjured up in your mind. And God's saying, hey, hey, get over yourself so you can get in to who I've called you to be. Get into who I've called you to be. He said, when if, if it was easy, wouldn't you have done it? And listen to me, these are the kind of people you need in your life because these are people who traveled with Naaman. It was a, listen to me, it was a 90 mile journey from where he lived to where Elisha lived. 90 miles they traveled with Naaman. And listen to me, sometimes you need people who are traveling with you through life who are willing to say, hey, I think you're being a little bit of a diva. I think you're being a little bit of a know-it-all. I think you're being a little bit of a, maybe a not nice word or two, okay? However, you gotta get the point across. Sometimes whatever works, works, okay? You need people who are willing to get up in your grill, is there anybody in your life that can challenge you and you receive it? You know, I mean, you know how many conversations I have with some of my leaders and they'll come up to me and they'll say, hey, so-and-so's doing this. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't think they'd receive the correction from me. I honestly think that it would just cause, cause them to spiral more. And because I love them and I care about the relationship, I'm willing to wait 
for them to get to a space and place, a mental space and place where they can actually hear what I have to say. Is there anybody in your life that has the relational equity to actually call you out on your crap? Or are you just so blind and so self-absorbed that you'd rather sit in your crap and tell everybody you smell great? You gotta have people who are willing to, who are willing to tell you the truth even when it's not what you wanna hear. He says, even if it, if it had been something great, wouldn't you have done it? And so all of a sudden, Naaman's like, yo, yeah, I would have. And then we see this, and this is the climactic point in the story. Listen to this. All of a sudden, listen to me. The thing I want you to understand is that healing always follows humility. Healing always follows humility. It's hard to get healed when you're unwilling to be humble. There are many of you, listen to me, obviously Naaman gets healed. You know the story, spoiler alert, okay? But I think the journey to his healing is something we can all, we can all take something away from. There are many of you that you would rather get healed in private so that you can come in public and act like you never needed healing. You're off in private saying, God, would you just deal with the porn addiction so that no one, I can walk free and no one ever knows that I was addicted to porn. God, would you just deal with the pill problem? In private, just just magically wave your hand. That's exactly what Naaman wanted him to do. He said, I thought he would wave his hand over my little spots and make a whole show about it. God, would you just wave your hand over these parts of my soul so that no one knows I ever needed the healing. But listen to me, God can't get glory from a story you won't tell. God can't get glory from a story you are too ashamed to tell. And I'm telling you, when we get real, when we get honest, when we get vulnerable, when we step into some humility, all of the sudden we can begin to find healing. And I'm telling you, sometimes God will let you sit in your dysfunction until your dysfunction makes you uncomfortable enough to get honest and vulnerable. All of a sudden we see that Naaman's got to humble himself. This giant of a man, this, this, this mammoth of a man has to subject himself to taking off his armor in a foreign land and getting in a water he does not want to get in and dunk himself in it. So all of a sudden we see him, he just begins to unbuckle his breastplate. He takes his, he takes his little shin guards off. He takes, he takes his sword off. He takes his helmet off. And all of a sudden he's sitting there with everything that is eating him alive exposed for all to see. He begins to walk into the Jordan River. And notice what, it, I want you to understand something. The Bible never says that Naaman got healed progressively. That as, as he dipped, there were fewer spots. And that as he dipped again, there were even fewer spots. And then finally, there was one spot on that sixth one. So he dunked that and it came up and he was completely cleansed. No, we don't know how it happened, but the way I probably believe it happened is that Naaman kept dipping. Dip number one, come up. Nothing's changed. Dip number two, Naaman comes up. Nothing's changed. Dip number three, Naaman comes up. Nothing's changed. Have you ever been trying to follow God and you quit because you couldn't see the progress? Have you ever been trying to follow God and you quit prematurely because there wasn't any obvious progress in your eyes? It would have been real easy by dip number four to come up out of that water. He's soaking wet in a, in a muddy river, seeing all these people. Everybody can see the leprosy has not gone anywhere. It would have been real easy to be like, this is stupid. I'm out of here but he kept dipping. I came here to encourage you, keep dipping. Keep dipping in who he is. Keep dipping into the word. Keep dipping into community. Keep dipping, keep dipping, keep dipping, keep dipping, keep dipping, man. 
Don't stop prematurely. Naaman dips. And I could see him coming out of that water on the sixth one being like, dang. I could see the water streaming down his face, but I can imagine there's some tears mixed in as well. See, I came all this way. I listened to this man of God. Nothing's changed. This is, all right, one more time. And he goes down and he dips. And I don't listen to me. I don't know what happened underneath that water. I don't know. I don't know if they all just fell off, the scales fell off and floated to the bottom, but all of a sudden, Naaman comes up and he's healed, completely and totally healed. And what I want to call your attention to is that seven is a very important number in scripture. And many of you who have stuck around young adults in Celebration Church or you read your Bibles, you're, you're theologians, okay, you know exactly where I'm going. But seven is a very unique number in scripture. Different numbers are significant for different things. And seven speaks of perfection and completion. Listen to me. God's waiting for you to go completely in. Completely in. Some of you, you kind of waited around in the kiddie pool of your faith. You kind of just chilled in the, the easy, comfortable waters. And God says, no, no. It's when you fully submerge into, in, into, into completeness and to perfection. What does the Jordan River in this moment signify? It signifies Jesus, the living water. And it's when we fully go into Jesus, the perfect lamb of God that was slain to take away the sin of the world. I'm telling you, all of a sudden, everything you thought was going to plague you the rest of your life, begins to fall and begin to wash away from who he is. And this is the coolest part. Honestly, that was cool, the seventh thing. But look, no, let's look at this. Let's throw it up. 2 Kings 5.14. It says this. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. And as the man of God told him, his flesh was restored. And listen to this. And became clean like that of a young boy. Became clean. His skin was so pure it was like he was a little boy all over again. Now notice, he started off as a warrior. I can guarantee you he had battle scars. He had wear and tear as any man does, wrinkles, defects, things that were not caused by the leprosy. And notice, his obedience washed that away too. Listen to me, when you obey God, he gives you more than you bargained for. He just wanted his leprosy to be taken off. No, God took years off of his life. The, the, the wear and tear of battle, the different things, the seasons he had to walk through, this, the battle scars and stuff, it was all washed away. And I'm telling you, there are some of you, you think God just wants to heal that one part of you you're thinking about. And God wants to bring healing to the totality of who you are, every part of you, till you are new. What does this speak of? This is literally a prophetic utterance of what Jesus says in John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, he's talking to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus says, how do I get saved? And Jesus says this, you got to be born again. You got to be born again. You got to become a young boy again. And listen to me, the only way you can become young again, the only way you can get a new start and start over is when you go fully into Jesus, fully into his promise, fully into who he is. I'm telling you, when you begin to bank your life and you sink to the bottom of who Jesus is, he begins to wash away everything that your militants, everything, your discipline, your devotion, your focus could never wash away. Woo! Anybody else fired up about this or is it just me tonight? Has he been good to you too? He's been good to me. And man, I'm telling you, whenever all of a sudden you realize that you're Naaman, I've met Naaman before, it was in a mirror. I've met a man who had things that he hated about himself. I've, met, I've been there before and I'm telling you when all of a sudden 
you can say that God's met you right where you're at, man, all of a sudden it just changes. It changes the way you even feel about yourself. And there are some of you listening to me, you've hated yourself long enough. You've hated yourself long enough. You, can I just go here? You know what it is to hate, you know what it is when we say we hate ourselves, but we can believe God loves us? What we are saying is that our standards are higher than God's. God, I believe you love me, but I don't. Oh, so you have higher standards than God? Do you know what that's called? That's called pride. You think you're walking in shame? You think you're walking in in self-hatred? No, you have pride in how good of a sinner you are, how creative you are at sinning. How, how much of a knack you have at creating dysfunction. It's pride. When we think that our standards are higher than God's, that God can love me, but I can't. You need to repent for that. You need to ask for forgiveness because that is a form of pride. And listen to me, you are so worth loving. And God doesn't just love you after he heals you. He heals you because he always loved you. Some of you think God is ready to love the healed part of you. No, he heals you because he loves you. He loves you just as much right now. The, the addicted part of you, the messed up part of you. Can I say this? The perverted part of you. Some of you, you've believed that long enough. That you're sick, you're demented, you're perverted. You've heard it from people. It's been spoken over you. And I'm here tonight to break those shackles off of you. You don't have to tell me, I like this little girl. I can see it on your face. I can see it in your eyes that you're walking under a label. You don't need to walk on. I see your leprosy. I came here tonight to tell you about a man who can do something about it. And if you dare to act on what I'm telling you, I promise you'll never be the same. You'll never be the same. If I could just have somebody come and play quietly behind me, this is where I literally land the play. I've heard this story preached a million times. I've read it a million times. And everybody ends the story here, but the story of Naaman doesn't end here. Naaman then comes to Elisha. Listen to this, don't miss this. Naaman comes to Elisha and he says, how can I repay you for what you've given me? Man, that's the, that's the, that's the natural response. When God touches you is you wanna give him everything. You say, God, what can I give you? He says, give me your life. I wanna walk hand in hand with you for the rest of it. Naaman says, hey, what can, what can I give you, Elisha, for what you've done? And Elisha says, I don't want nothing. You don't need to repay me. I didn't do this to get paid. This is why I was made. I was born to do this. Elisha says, no, 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 I don't need anything. And then listen to this, Naaman asks this. He says, okay, well, can I ask you for a favor? Elisha says, sure. He says, can I have, this sounds weird. Can I have two mules and can you load them with bags of dirt for my journey on home? And if you just read that in the story, you're like, what? That's a little weird. Like homeboy just wants to take some dirt home. But listen to me, I told you, He's not from Israel, which means when he leaves, he's leaving the place he got his healing. When he leaves, he's leaving the land of the God who healed him. He's going back into enemy territory. He's going back into a foreign God-occupied land. And he says, no, I can't stay in Israel, but guess what? I can take some Israel with me. I can take some Israel with me. I may not be able to stay here, but guess what? I can take God there. And I just want to load my donkeys up with as much of him as I possibly can. And I came here to tell somebody tonight, load up on God tonight. You can't camp out in this room. You may not be able to live every 24-7 in the middle 
middle of your Bible with your nose in it because guess what? That's not what God called you to do, but you can take him with you. The man you've met tonight, the man who meets you in these scriptures, the man who meets you in your car, you can take him into those dark places, into those forgotten places, into those godless places, and all of a sudden everywhere your foot treads becomes enemy terror because king becomes kingdom territory he says i can't stay in israel but i can take israel with me can i load up with as much of this place as i possibly can carry and elisha says yeah man go for it and i just came to encourage you what you receive from jesus load up and take it into the dark take it in. i know your work's dark take it into the dark i know your family's depressing take it into it I know, I know home feels empty and you, you, you feel God inside these four walls. Take him into those four walls. Take him with you. And right now with every head bowed and eye closed, I appreciate you to you long enough. I just want to pray for a few people in here and then we're going to be done. If you're in here tonight and you'd say, Kenan, I've got some stuff in my life. I've got that but. I'm great with people, but. I've got vision, I've got dreams, but. I'm a great student, but. I love my son, I'm a great mom, but. I'm working hard, but. If that's you and you're in here under the sound of my voice and tonight you'd say, Kenan, I need to let God in and allow God to kick my butt. Allow God to kick that thing that has been kicking me. If that's you in here tonight, you wanna say yes to Jesus for the first time or for the first time in a long time, I wanna give you a chance to say yes. If that's you, when I count to three, just raise your hand. One, God loves you. Two, now's your moment, don't miss it. Three, if that's you, come on, right now, right now, right now. Hands going up, leave it up high. Come on, don't, you've come this far, don't back down now, this is a real moment. Yes, man, hands going up literally all over this auditorium. Thank you, Father. Let's leave it up and I'm gonna pray for you, okay? I'm gonna pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for every single hand that has been raised, Lord, because that hand signifies a heart that has just been yielded to you. And I thank you that right now your grace, your love, your affirmation begins to flood every nook, cranny, pocket, corner, and crevice of who they are. And I thank you that it drives every lie out that they're disgusting. It drives every lie out that they're perverted. It drives every lie out that they're too far gone and you could never love the likes of them. I thank you that the truth penetrates and dissolves the lie right now in Jesus name. Lord, I thank you that grace rushes in and it takes the place of everything that once stood in their way. I thank you for it right now. I call them saved. I call them sealed. I call them yours right now. It's in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray. And everybody said, come on. Amen. Come on. Let's put our hands together for God. Woo! Well, hey, you made it all the way to the end of this sermon and thanks for listening to it in its entirety. I know God spoke to you. And if he did, maybe he even dropped a specific person in your heart who needs to hear this message. Would you send them the link? And if there's no one specific, just post it on your social media story. You never know who could click on the link and end up accepting Christ at the end of the sermon. Well, uh, hey, I'll see you on the next episode. I love you so much. Be blessed.